Welcome back to the Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. This is a place that we bring together the world's leading experts in all things health and wellness to help you optimize your mind, body, and movement. Today's gorgeous episode was with my friend, Dr. Amy Killen. Uh, she is a leading expert in the world of anti-aging. There's also a regenerative medicine physician specializing in aesthetics and sexual medicine. This conversation was informative. It was ridiculous. I think we were both blushing for a good chunk of the time. We get into sensory receptors around the perineum and the anus. We get into injections in the clitoris and the the penis, but stem cells and PRP and various different things. Really ridiculous, interesting conversation. I had such an excellent time talking about all of these awkward yet pertinent subjects with a medically trained MD doctor, Dr. Amy Killen. After last week's episode with Luke's story, where we touched on EMFs, I've had a lot of you asking where and how you can learn more and what the best resources are. Honestly, there is a ton of woo-woo crap out there on EMFs that I don't believe you need to trust. So if you're interested in learning more, the only thing I would recommend is getting access to Luke's EMF Home Safety Masterclass. He's done the work for you to cut through all the fluff and bring you the information you actually need to know and gives you a step-by-step guide on how to effectively and successfully minimize your exposure to EMF. You can get access to the masterclass now by heading over to alignpodcast.com slash EMF and then use the align code at checkout for 10% off. Again, that's alignpodcast.com slash EMF. Use align code for 10% off. All right, let's get back into this wacky, ridiculous, and highly informative conversation with my friend, Dr. Amy Killen. Pow. How are you? So good. Thanks for making time to do this. Thanks for being ac- road. That was the most amazing little mini experience. Right. I loved it. Good. Yeah. What did you like about it? I just like how it was all stretchy and like, also I, somehow you didn't drop me, which was amazing. Very rare. I'm glad that this was the time. It's that rare I that you, I didn't, I didn't drop <laughs> you don't person. drop someone. I'm glad it worked out that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you do stuff like that much in your, in your life? I do. I've never done acro before. I, I, do, I do yoga, or I used to. Right. Um, you know, I do other things, but not that one. How Can you give a brief description of your work and your transition into conversations like, like sexuality? How you got to that point of like interrelationships? How do you say that? Interrelational? What am I trying to You're doing so good. I'm, I'm just going to let you what keep going. What am I trying to say? Interrela- What's the word? <laughs> it's too late. It's done. Just got done with a two-hour conversation. <laughs> the lights are bright. What is your history? How do we get here? All right. So interpersonal relationships. Ah, you got it. God dang it! Every so, time. So I, um, so I was an emergency physician. I was an ER doctor for like almost ten years, and then towards the end of that, kind of had like midlife crisis. I had I had three kids within two years. And was like just burned out, like not sleeping, not eating well, not exercising, like just all the things. So eventually transitioned into doing sort of more integrative medicine, anti-aging medicine, as they say. And about a year into that, I started realizing that people were really interested in both their, their sex lives and their skin and helping to improve those things. Once they kind of established a, a little bit of a foundation of health, like once they kind of got out of survival mode and they were not like at the you know end of their their wits, they were like, okay, also, can you help me have better sex or better skin? So what I what I kind of got interested in, and so I was like, let's just learn about these things. So I do a lot of sexual health more from like a medical standpoint than from a 
you know, like spiritual, emotional, mental standpoint. Those are obviously important, but that's just not what I do. But um, I do a lot of just work with helping people kind of fight some of the things that happen with aging specifically that can you know, adversely affect sex. What's some of the glaring, low-hanging fruit that you see with most people that come in to see you in relation to anything like, like skin health, sexual health, biological health, mental, emotional? Like what, what's the... The easiest slash hardest thing to deal with is just lifestyle choices and, you know, sort of poor diet, not moving enough, not like making those the best choices that have over time resulted in chronic health problems, one of which is some kind of sexual problem. And so like for men, it's erectile dysfunction. For women, it can be anything. There's, it's Women are much more difficult and complex. Um, so it could be anything from, you know, lack of uh, arousal, lack of libido, actual sexual dysfunction, like arousal problems. Women have a, a lot more things. Men, it's almost always ED that I see. Where do you start the conversation with women? Um, you know, I just ask a lot about kind of what the situation is. A lot of it's outside of my realm of what I do. And so if it's something that I feel like it's, you know, that person's had sexual trauma or they've had, um, you know, they've had some kind of some kind of spiritual issue that's causing it or emotional, mental, I will refer them usually to someone else, like a sex therapist or, or someone. But if I think it's something that is physical, potentially, then we'll start looking at that. Like we'll start looking at hormones. We'll start looking at, you know, just general health. Is there something else going on? And eventually we can kind of work our way down to like the actual genital system, which is not always or even usually what's going on, but that's part of it. I love that. I think it's supportive to anchor in me the medical and the, the physical and the anatomical because it makes people feel safe. You're like, oh, yeah, totally. Like, you can measure it. It's in a beaker. Right. It's like right here in front right. of me. I'm holding the clitoris. Right, right. You know? It's just that the clitoris, is, the clitoris like, is broken. A, that's a Trump quote. <laughs> I do. I have women who are, who come in and be like, I think that my vagina is broken or my clitoris is broken. Like they, they're like, they like will pinpoint it. And, but oftentimes, you know, most of the time it's not, obviously. Most of the time it's that there's something else going on that's just causing the, the whole thing to not work for them as well. What's usually going on? I mean, for women, women are so, I mean, women, men are complex too, but I feel like women are really complex when it comes to sex. I mean, there's so much, the mental part is so important. The, you know, the, the feeling supported, the feeling loved, the feeling like the feeling of like the, your husband or spouse did the dishes for you this morning when they, you know, like, like little things like that will build up for women um, in a way that will eventually lead to being excited and, and comfortable and intimate and all of that. And it's a little bit different, I feel like, with, with the men that I see. They don't necessarily need all of that. Can you, so I just recently got stem cells in my wrist. I've never had it done in my clitoris. Or any other, <laughs> any other genital territory. Penis. We we also do penises. Or, or the penis. We do penises for that too. Yeah. Um, what are stem cells? What's their value? I'm like really interested in in, in my personal education on it because I just injected, you know, the stem cells of some far off fetus, far off land. It's now yeah, it's circulating. Good to, it's throughout good to my ask body. these questions after they're already in That's your body. That's typically my it's really my, good. my pattern. <laughs> Thank you for acknowledging that. So you know, stem cells are all over your body as it, as currently as you have them. They're the cells that are, are responsible for the upkeep of different tissues in your body. So they can either duplicate or they, they can um, turn into other types of cells potentially. So the, the idea behind using stem cells, whether they're your stem cells or someone else's, is that these cells can then signal to other cells in your body to become more, to, you know, more active. Because as we get older, our cells become a little bit less active, our stem cells do. So that, that's the idea behind using stem cells is really using the signaling of the stem cells to talk to your cells and tell your cells, hey, we need to make some more, you know, whatever it is, collagen or muscle or nerve or 
um, you know, whatever we're trying to repair, it's your body doing the repairing. We're just kind of importing those signals. Do you think that stem cells are, are the, the future of medicine, the present? Do you think there'll be like a fad, like, like, like the keto diet? Like presently, I hear a lot of talk about yeah. stem cells are very sexy. It's very expensive. It's yes. very, it seems like some panacea solution for lots of things. I mean, it's definitely not a panacea. And I think that that's important to note because a lot of people do sell it as that. Like it's going to cure your, you know, Parkinson's and your Alzheimer's and your and your knee that needs surgery and all of this. And your penis. And your penis. Yep. <laughs> it's going to cure your penis. Very important. I mean, yeah, it could help your body to repair itself. But if it's something that your body that's beyond that, that your body really can't repair on its own, like it needs surgery, then maybe you still need surgery. Like it's this is not something that can fix everything. But you know, we stem cells have been around for a, a long time. Like it's not this is something necessarily new. But I think that we are hearing a lot more about it in the last five years than before that. What is the process of actually injecting stem cells into genitals? Because I don't know anything. I didn't. So have first, that I take a needle. Oh God! Is it a twenty gauge? It is a twenty gauge. No, no. I use a small. I use a twenty-seven, which is actually smaller. Smaller. It's okay. smaller. All right. So I take the needle. I numb. I numb you up first. Numb the skin. Actually, the penis injections are not. They're like the least painful things that I do. Really? Yeah. Facial injections, scalp injections. Those hurt way more than penis injections. Because mm. the skin numbs up well. The next layer down, the tunica albuginea, just like a little poke, but it's not bad. It's fine. Mm. And, and then I, I inject directly into the corpus cavernosum, which are the tubes that fill with blood when you have an erection. So we're essentially injecting into those tubes that have smooth muscle cells all in there. And the most common cause of erectile dysfunction is actually those smooth muscle cells dying or becoming dysfunctional. Mm. And so when that happens, they get replaced by scar tissue or fat, and you lose the ability to expand all the way. So the blood comes in, but it can't expand all the way. And then it goes back out the veins on the side. And so that's actually the most common cause of ED is a smooth muscle cell problem because you can't expand all the way. So we try to fix that. What's some of the, what are the, the culprits for that manifesting? I'd imagine it's not just you got old. Yeah. You got old as part of it, yeah. but also anything inflammatory. So any sort of inflammatory lifestyle, you know, whether that's high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol high sugar diet, not moving enough, being obese, like all the things that kind of cause just chronic inflammation anywhere else in your body is going to do the same thing in your penis. And it's going to cause, eventually cause problems, smoking, you know, all of those things. What are some natural remedies for these things? I guess you just described them by, by yeah. describing the issues, but right. what, what, where do people go if they don't have eight grand or whatever it costs to get stem cells into your wang? I mean, obviously, starting with lifestyle, which I think is... How much does it cost to get stem cells into, into one's wang? Are we going to call it wang? Into said wang. Is wang a thing? Yeah, I mean, whatever. There's a <laughs> lot of words. What's the best word to refer to female genitalia? Pussy? Vagina? Vulva? Vagina? Vagina? All right. I like to use the real In common words. conversation. <laughs> Vagina's not sexy. What's it cost? Yeah. Um... To do actual stem cells, yeah. I mean, this is several thousand dollars. Yeah, um, you can do other things. Like you can do platelet-rich plasma, which is coming from like your blood. Um, we'll just get some blood out. We spin it, put the platelets back in. And you can do that for less than that, maybe a thousand, um, yeah. maybe a little less. But So PRP, what is, can we, can we get into that a little bit as well? Because I'd love to, I think it's so amazing that we have the technology to, you know, on the plate. We're like, here, there's all these amazing options. I personally don't have a ton of education around them. PRP stem cells, like what's where's what's how do people approach that? What 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 is P PRP? When is someone a candidate for such yeah. thing? So PRP has been around for like thirty something years, extremely safe, and it's just again taking blood from the patient. We centrifuge it, we spin it, 
and we isolate or concentrate the platelets and make them more concentrated in the serum. So you have serum that has platelets in it, but there's a bunch of platelets in that little bit of serum. And the reason we do that is because the platelets have within them growth factors because their whole job in the body is actually to signal healing. So if you think about like if you were to cut your arm, platelets come in, they clot the blood, right? Like you know that, but they also start to release these signals to all of the cells around them and say, hey, we got to do some healing here, guys. Like we got this cut. And so it's like signals to increase the blood flow. It signals to increase the you know production of collagen and elastin and all the things you need to heal. That Those signals are within the platelets already. So depending on where the injury is, they go to that site and they, that's what they do. They release these growth factors. So the idea behind PRP is we're just making use of these growth factors. And we can use it for anything from, you know, a knee that's strained or painful to improving your skin health or hair restoration. Or we can do it for the, the you know, the, the genitals for men and women um, to increase blood flow, to increase healing if needed, and to kind of get things kind of moving in a different way. Does it look similar? The, the, the operation? Or, yeah. The actual procedure, whether it's PRP or stem cells or exosomes or any growth factors or whatever, is the same. It's just injections. And it's, it's super simple. What's in that syringe is what's different. What's the order of operations with these technologies that we have access to? Should a person think PRP first? Is stem cells? Is PRP go, is less expensive for sure. And then you, you, know, you kind of go up from there. Like PRP is less, less expensive. It's just your own blood. It's super safe. There's, FDA has no problems with it. As you start to move up to using stem cells, whether it's from you or from someone else or exosomes, which are kind of like signaling molecules that stem cells have, those become more expensive. There also is a lot more regulatory issues with it. If, if you say like the FDA doesn't like certain types and won't let us use certain types anymore. So that becomes a little bit more prohibitive. Yeah. What else are you doing with, with, with patients? Is it mostly like, what does is, what is working with you look like? So I, there's a lot of, th- a lot of components. We do, we do blood tests. We do, you know, we do whole kind of workups and things to look at hormones, to look at inflammatory markers, to look at all normal, you know, liver function tests and all the normal kind of tests. I also utilize a lot of other technologies. Like I use shockwave therapy, which mm. is a sound wave, acoustic sound waves. I have one of those. Do you have one of those? It's like a, like a rocket. It's the terrible experience. It's awful, right? Oh man. Yeah. It's like a Jackhammer jack on, your, on your wang. That's what I always say. Yeah. So I we, used it once. We used it was awkward. It was like a sad moment in my life. I looked at myself and I'm like laying down in my apartment. I got this jackhammer <laughs> on my situation. I'm like, who have I become? You've never, totally, <laughs> totally. That's totally it. But this is where I'm at. That actually works. And oh, we, wow. we use it in the office. I mean, yeah. there are home devices, but we've been doing it in the office with like stronger devices. Um, and we use topical numbing cream, and it's not painful, but it is still loud. That's actually really effective. My neighbors could hear it for sure. Yeah, they thought you were re- remodeling, <laughs> totally, maybe. Absolutely. <laughs> I was. <laughs> remodeling my blood vessels. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. That is super effective for if you have erectile dysfunction or just like need to improve blood flow. But it does take multiple sessions. It gets maybe six, eight, 12 or more sessions of like doing this loud, this loud thing. But I do like it. I think it works. And when we combine it with the injections, that's great. So I like those things a lot. I like making sure we're, we're boosting nitric oxide a lot. And that's something you could do at home. Like that's not, doesn't require me. But nitric oxide, you, I'm sure that you sure, know, yeah. as all, you know, with all your movement stuff, mm. you know, super important for blood flow. And it's, the levels go down significantly as you get older. So by the time you're 40, you're making about half as much nitric oxide as when you were 20. And that just keeps going down because it's made at least partially in the blood vessels. And as you get older, those blood vessels become, they kind of get plaque and they get, the, the cells become dysfunctional. So they can't make nitric oxide. So you have to get it from 
your diet, like foods, so they're high in nitrates, like green leafy vegetables and beets and citrus and things like that. And also continue to do the things that increase levels. So, you know, getting outside, exercising, getting some sunlight, red light therapy, you know, PEMF, like all those kinds of things can increase your own levels. Yeah. So that's super important, especially for males. Uh, erectile dysfunction but nitric oxide is important for everyone pretty much everything yeah and breathing breathing is a major one Breath breathing absolutely yeah yeah, yeah is totally. that something you recommend for people yes you give any like exercises or anything like that or i mean you could just literally say breathe through your nose you can go get really crazy and say tape your mouth while you're sleeping exactly yeah yeah i mean i don't do breathing exercises myself with patients but i totally i think it's a, it's an amazing skill to have and definitely breathing through the nose versus the mouth is Amazing. I wonder your perception of what plaque is. I was just talking with, with Zach Bush just a second ago, and that was one of the things we were, we were discussing, um, him vastly more eloquently than I, was the, the symptoms that manifest in our body are, they're indications that there's something going on, but it's your body trying to help you. Right. Like your body's on your team. So when you're having inflammation or maybe you're having some type of, you know, maybe obesity or holding on to weight or fluid or gas or whatever the thing may be, it's not like, oh, like it's trying, it's out to get it's me. It's not trying to sabotage your it's life. It's not trying yeah. to sabotage your life. Yeah. It's, it's communicating to you in, in the means that it, in its, its own language. That makes sense. Yes. Mm. But I haven't thought about it that way. Mm. So I wonder your perception of plaque buildup in arteries and things of the sort. And I, th I think an interesting lens to view that through one would be through a, a movement lens so if we are moving the body with regularity thinking like a, just like a hose you mm -hmm. know we're going left and right and in and twisting and turning and shearing and up and down then we can have that that regular healthy circulation of blood and lymph and all of the fluids throughout the body mm -hmm. but when it comes into you know you're in a, this sedentary fixed position then what will happen is, is you'll have these hard angles essentially in those blood vessels and the arteries and all of the fluid systems. Mm -hmm. And and please correct me in any of this. This is ideas that I've I, gathered No, from I'm just elsewhere. trying to, I'm visualizing all these hard angles. The hard angles, yeah. Well, typically you're going to have, the plaque you build up is going to be in, in areas of concentration through the body, like complexity. It's not going to be like in the middle of the thigh so much. And, and a perspective that I've gathered from Katie Bowman in particular is that that plaque buildup is almost like a like a scab. It's like a it's like a protective mechanism. Yeah. And if we allow those blood vessels and you know the arteries and everything to go through a full range of motion with regularity, then you're not going to have that buildup of that concentrated pressure going against one wall over and over again. Mm. And so that's kind of a, a totally different lens than most people perceive yeah. plaque buildup because typically it's like oh you're eating too much bacon. I wonder what your thoughts or feelings are on plaques role in the body and it's okay if you're like i don't really know if that's i mean i haven't part of it. you know I, I i know that plaque is just inflammation and it's your body attack you know sort of attacking almost like a scab like you said like it's almost like your body attacking something you know whether it's an oxidized cholesterol of some sort or something that your body is like hey we got to kind of get control of that and and the other thing that happens and this is actually relevant to the movement piece is that your the inside of your blood vessels become kind of sticky and so the inside of the walls become sticky and the and the cells become sticky and they stick together and that's part of kind of what happens there and one of the ways that you can help to have that stickiness not happen is through increasing nitric oxide with something like movement. So just exercise and moving is, you know, it's increasing your production of nitric oxide, which again is not just, you know, nitric oxide, people think about it as it opens up your blood vessels, which it does. It vasodilates your blood vessels. So you get more, you know, blood vessels, which is why it's in pre-workouts and things like that. But it's also really important for keeping the cells that line the blood vessels healthy and not sticky. 
And so, you know, you the, the movement that you're doing, whether the mechanism is exactly like you said or not, I don't know. But I think that the idea that, that moving helps to actually keep everything moving in your blood vessels, it does make sense if you look at it through like a nitric oxide lens. Yeah. And then it comes into another interesting lens of more like the psychosomatic perspective. And if a person's in fear or they're, you know, they're in defense or any of that, there's a threat in the room, then that will cause the body to, to contract and shrink up and go into, you know, more of like a protective stance. Mm-hmm. I wonder how that, this is literally what we were just talking about a minute ago. So I'm really excited and curious to hear your perception of that, how that informs the happenings internally in one's blood vessels and in one's, you know, the yeah. way that they function on the inside. I mean, when I hear you say that, when you, I hear, I think about like cortisol and I think about the sort of hormones and neurotransmitters and things like that, that are, that are going up and down. And, and we know that if you're in a fear state or a stress state for a long period of time, you're going to have elevated cortisol levels compared to what they would be if you were in more of a parasympathetic, you know, rest and relax state. And, and cortisol is inflammatory. It's, cortisol is, is, is affecting your immune system. And it's, again, it's causing this inflammation system-wide if your levels are too high. So it's absolutely true that stress is going to age you and stress is going to cause potentially all kinds of medical problems. And I think a lot of that is through that cortisol pathway that's affecting then every other hormone. It's affecting the whole, you know, it's a whole like cascade of events. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, I'm to me, I look at all the, the hormones and the pathways and it's all it, there's, there's so many of them, but we know that, that the way that you think and the way that you interact with people in the world, you know, affects your general health. And we don't even know enough about how exactly that works, but that we know some about some yeah. of it. Do you think there's space for a bridging between those more like, I don't know, you can go so far as into being metaphysical, but, you know, holistic and, you know, or Eastern or all of those, those worlds yeah. bridging with the more Western allopathic model of medicine? Or do you think it's it's sensible for them to kind of have a separation. It's funny because I feel like I kind of straddle these two worlds yeah, right right where I am right now. Like, because I was you know, traditionally trained medical doctor, ER for 10 years. And then for the last eight years have been working with some of these regenerative therapies. I've, you know, been introduced to all these interesting people who are doing energy work and all these ancient practices and things like that, which I don't understand necessarily, but I accept that they, that they have validity. But, you know, I, I would love to be able to make them make sense to me on like a scientific level. And yeah. I think that there's definitely some things that are that we're starting to understand that actually do make sense when you look at like, well, what's happening on a protein production level or what's happening on a gene expression level when you introduce, you know, whether it's electricity or magnetic frequencies or different things like that. So I think that, I think we might eventually kind of figure out how these things can kind of come together and we can all understand it. But there's also kind of a beauty in like not really understanding exactly what's happening, but, but seeing it, it still work. Have you seen any miracles in your life with people, with patients, you're like, that just doesn't make sense. I mean, I've or seen good results. some type of linear deductive yeah, I mean, understanding? I, like, aha, well, this is the storyline. <laughs> this is how it happened. I think that that's the way I think, is that, it, you know, in my mind, I, I kind of have, to, I feel like I can kind of rationalize what's happening as being something that's logical. So I guess the answer is no. I'm not sure I've seen actual miracles. Have you ever been surprised? I've been surprised, for sure. I've been surprised, but I haven't ever said, oh my gosh, that's, that's a miracle. What's surprised you over the over the last years of working with with patients? I mean, I'm always surprised when when something like just amazing happens, even though I think it's possible. Like with stem cells, for instance, I have patients who have been like I've had patients who've had prostatectomies, like prostate surgeries, 
and have had like no ability to have erections. They've had, they haven't been able to have sex for four or five years. They've seen multiple doctors and everyone's like, you're kind of hopeless. And we'll do these procedures, which are just, again, just simple injections. It's not like we're doing, this is not rocket science. It's literally just a needle in the penis. Mm. And those patients have, a lot of them have come back and said, you know, three or four months later and said, you know, I, my wife and I had sex for the first time in four years. And it was, you know, it was successful. And, and that to me is, it's a, it's a miracle that makes sense because I understand the mechanism, but it's still a miracle. Yeah. I wonder if a lot of what's happening with some of the, the Western interventions that aren't necessarily, they're very site specific and it seems like they're treating the symptom or like, oh, you got like erectile issues. Let's like put an injection in the penis. And obviously, you know, the penis is connected to everything else and your circulation and your mind. And if you don't feel safe or you don't feel sexy or you don't yeah. feel confident and then that gets into testosterone conversation hormones and right. you know the hpa access and how you oh, your, your nice. body's processing yeah. you know, all these all these stress chemicals i wonder if a lot of what we're bumping into with allopathic medicine and kind of treating sites specifically like that and then it's creating this global change in mm-hmm. the in the human i wonder if a lot of that is like oh wow like suddenly he managed to get an erection and then he felt confident Right. And then that turned into having some sex. And then his wife's like, that was awesome. Man, I love you. are a man. Yeah. And then it's like, yeah, I am a man. Yeah. You know, and then whoo, it pours into Absolutely. all those parts that, in fact, was the, the foundation of the whole conversation. But we needed a jump start. Yeah. And in fact, that patient I'm thinking about, one of the things he said to me was, you know, this is great. My wife and I are having sex. Like, this is a great for our marriage. We're super happy. And also, he was like this very successful business guy. And he said, and also, I've seen that it's affecting the way that I interact with the business world. Like, I feel like I'm so much more confident. I'm a better businessman. Like, I'm having more success in my job. Like, it does overflow. Like, there is there is some kind of feedback. And I think it makes total sense. And, you know, obviously, there's a, a big connection between and the brain and the, you know, and sexual organs and that there, it just goes back and forth. And if you're not confident, then the sexual organs are not going to work. And then it's like this like snowball effect, right? Like when you're like, oh, well, then I'm definitely not confident. And it's just good because over and over. Mm. So if you have some confidence, you know, placebo is real, right? Like it's a, it's a real legitimate, amazing thing. And it's the idea that, you know, you think something good, good is going to happen or potentially bad, but good. And then your, your, your mind makes it happen. So I think that we don't understand enough about the placebo effect. I think it's amazing and we should be harnessing it. But hopefully, I think there's also other things going on when we talk about like regenerative medicine. I want to take a quick moment to chat with you about CBD. I get asked all the time what brand of CBD I recommend. Honestly, I get approached all the time to work with different CBD companies, but looking at their ingredients and quality of their product, they rarely pass the test. Truth is, most CBD products are kind of so-so. They're extremely low quality, making them completely ineffective, yet extremely expensive. That's why I've never promoted a CBD brand before, but I recently found a brand that I love and would recommend over and over again. That brand is easy. Hemp. So if you're overwhelmed by all the different brands and types of CBD out there, I would just head over to eatonhemp.com slash align, grab yourself a bottle of their CBD oil. That's E-A-T-O-N-H-E-M-P.com forward slash align. Use the code align for a sweet 20% off your purchase. I personally use their regular strength. They also have extra strength if you need a little extra boost. Again, head over to eatonhemp.com slash align and uh, use align code for 20% off. Plus, if you do not like their product, they will give you your money back 100% guarantee for 30 days. I also want to thank Bio Optimizers. If you struggle 
with sleep at all. Supplementing with magnesium is a no-brainer. I promise you, after one month of supplementing with Biopter's Magnesium Breakthrough, you will notice a drastic difference in the quality of your sleep. You'll fall asleep faster. You'll stay asleep. Plus, without quality sleep, it doesn't matter what you're eating or what workouts you're doing. You'll never reach the level of health and fitness you want to reach. And per mentioned in relation to EMFs with our last episode, magnesium is a very supportive supplement to mitigate some of the harmful effects of EMF. BioOptimizers gives you a full-spectrum magnesium supplement, which most brands on the shelf do not. That is why I exclusively use BioOptimizers only. For an exclusive offer for my listeners, go to magbreakthrough.com slash podcast and use the code ALIGN10 to save 10% when you try magnesium breakthrough. And one more thing, for limited time, BioOptimizers is giving away free bottles of their best-selling products, P3OM and Masszymes with select purchases. So go to magbreakthrough.com slash podcast. That's M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H.com forward slash podcast. Now to get yourself an exclusive 10% discount and a chance to win more than $50 worth of supplements for free. All right, back to the podcast. How much of sexual dysfunctions and quotations is associated from your perspective to shame in general but particularly i think there's a lot of shame baked into to western culture yeah around having private parts like even that <laughs> right, word right it's like it's like oh you grow up literally it's like your private part it is it you know, is yeah which nothing wrong with that no moralistic judgment but it's interesting that like this this part like every person in the in the room or listening to this and on the planet you have a penis going into a vagina to thank for your existence. Correct. Meanwhile, everyone's sphincters clench up in the room, at when least if you're vagina. in like middle yeah. America or whatever. <laughs> where you're like, ah! Right. No, I know. I, th- I think that's a great question. I think especially, again, for women, I see this as, I think the shame piece or the guilt piece or the, this is not, I'm, I'm not a good person or I'm not a good woman or a good girl if I'm, if I'm doing this or enjoying it. I think that that's, it's huge. And especially in, in certain places in the, you know, in, in the U.S. or in the world when there's a lot of religiosity, I see that. Like there's a lot of just uh, structures that say that, you know, you shouldn't be enjoying sex. You shouldn't be doing it. You shouldn't be doing this. I mean, and that's, it plays, it's a huge role. But for men as well, like, you know, some cultures, you're not allowed to masturbate. You're not allowed to touch yourself. You're not allowed to, you know, you shouldn't be enjoying this too much. And, you know, how harmful is that? Right. And then I don't think we don't eliminate any of those factors the things that we condemn as being wrong when they, they don't get eliminated they just get pushed around and so the places where they have a lot of shame so like in the in the south you know where there's more racism if you look at the porn that they're looking at they're looking at a bunch of you know black dudes hooking up with white chicks right or there's some interracialness going on there. oh absolutely so on their face it's like oh no like this is who i am who i'm supposed to be yeah meanwhile like you didn't get rid of it no it's all there it's there is there? I, I mean, I live in I live in Utah, <laughs> and we have some of the highest porn consumption of anyone you know in the entire United States. Mm. And there's there's a, you know, there's a strict religious component to to the the culture of some people in Utah. And the same thing, I grew I grew up in the South in Texas. But yeah, I mean, it, it, people are going to explore these things or think about these things in some way, and it's just how does that manifest? So, do you think a solution is communication and education? Yes. <laughs> what's that what's that look like i mean i think that we should be able to talk and this is a lot of what i do is try to make sexual health just another component of health like mm-hmm. why can't we talk about it like we would talk about cardiovascular health or brain health or joint health or you know or things like that because yeah. it's just it's a, just one more system in our bodies 
that is doing something that it's supposed to do that can get messed up just like any other system, you know, through no fault of your own. And so, you know, why can we not talk about that in a way that is not, can we, can we talk about sex in a way that's not sexualized? Mm. And I, that's kind of what I try to do. That's my goal. How's your relationship with your own sexuality, sensuality, things of that sort? Oh, good question. Um, so I was raised Southern Methodist. Oh, wow. And I, you know, super, super, pretty religious. Like I, I remember asking my mom when I was in, like in like, you know, early junior high or, or middle school or elementary school, I asked my mom what a virgin was. And she said it was someone who'd never been married before. Whoa. And, so, <laughs> and she wasn't even trying to be, you know, like vague or she just, that's like, that's in her mind kind of what it was. And my elementary school was surrounded on three sides by churches and on the fourth side by the neighborhood gun store. So that's like where I came from. <laughs> Where, you know, you learn about sex like on the bus and you hear the, all the words and you're like, I don't know what that means, but that's all bad. Yep. So I, you know, I feel like it, 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 it was college or maybe after college before I was like comfortable at all with any of it. And then really like in the last like 10 years, just in talking about this with other people, have I become much more open to the idea that there's there's all different ways to do it. There's no right or wrong. Like, you know, this is important. This is this is cool. This is fun. This is special, whatever. But it has been, it's been a bit of a journey for me, for sure. How do you feel in the journey presently? Do you feel like you're like, there's there's space to grow? Do you feel like- Yeah, pretty- there's definitely space to grow. I would like to learn more about the kind of emotional, mental, spiritual part of all of this because I've focused so much over the last, you know, eight years on the physical stuff, like what's happening on a hormonal level and neurotransmitters and the blood flow and, you know, all of that. And I'm comfortable with all of those things, but I'm not as comfortable or knowledgeable about all the other parts of it. Yeah. I feel like it's a very natural order of operations for people. That's that's very much where I originated was being almost exclusively comfortable in the physical. And if I couldn't measure it, there wasn't some double blind study to back it. I was just like, I just wasn't interested in hearing about it. But inevitably, I think most people, it seems, eventually come to a point where they start becoming interested in in some of those, like the deeper parts. Yeah. That in fact, perhaps are kind of running the show the whole entire time. But for some reason, I feel like there's, in the culture that I, I grew up in, and it sounds like you grew up in, there's like a resistance around that or a fear around that or like a ridiculing of those parts and we just kind of hang back onto the physical right and i feel like there's just so much growth i wonder why we did that i don't know i mean for me like we didn't you know we just didn't even talk about the stuff right like growing up it wasn't something that was ever discussed and i've got three kids myself there i have twins who are 13 and i have an 11 year old hmm. and so i oh wow yeah and so right. i like i'm always you know like i'm trying to like infuse this your these twins are 13 yeah amy you're hot <laughs> That's are, you, great. are you doing math in your head right now? Yes. <laughs> That's great. Thank you. How do you do it? You're making me blush <laughs> over here. <laughs> Seriously. That's cool. But the thing I love it is the stories that we run. You know, people get to age 50, 60, or 30. Like we have a story that we run mm-hmm. about our quantitative years on the planet. And we're right. like, okay, I'm 40. This is who I am. Right. You know, I have a 13-year-old. This is, you know, I'm like a mom. I'm a mom. <laughs> you know? And it's beautiful to have that, but I think it's like we're really, you know, we're multifaceted, complex yeah. organisms. We're I all mean, the things. I think that that's true. And I'm, uh, I think for me, because I'm over 40, clearly, with these kids, mm. but I, like to me, it was like late 30s, 
early 40s where I was like all of a sudden I was like I just realized there was so much more that I didn't understand about but about everything about people about relationships about sex about like just you know I kind of just went through life like you have like one idea about what you're supposed to do and you're you're doing it and it's you're just marching along and then all of a sudden I was like oh my gosh there's so many ways to do this so and how do you educate your kids to have a, a healthy relationship with their parts well we call them sexuality. by their names oh, first of good. all, all right, good. Good. <laughs> or I do they just yeah. like they're just, they just like mom right and I just try to like talk about them sometimes like I'll just yeah you know, they know what I do I do a lot of speaking and and things there was a like a TikTok video that they showed me that had a picture of me that was a, a little short video that had like a, you know tons of views and they're like you know mom you know you're famous and I was like yeah and then they watch it it's me talking about sex and so I they know what I do I try to share that with them and try to just let them understand this is like this is your body does a lot of amazing things and you know you shouldn't be ashamed of it you don't have to talk to me about it but like just don't be ashamed of it it's a strange thing that we that we and like me i'm speaking for like all of western culture would probably just inappropriate but there's a tendency of infantilizing youth mm. yeah and you're like okay when are you like and then eventually you're like 18 you're like okay out the door you're like not my responsibility it's like you handicapped that that right. poor human being yeah like you never allowed them to grow because you you were too concerned to speak to them like an adult yeah no i think that's true and i think that i've tried with my kids like even when they like the first time they asked me about sex like which you know they were pretty young they asked like you know well tell like I don't understand how does it work and once they actually asked me that question like we were like getting ready for bed one night and I was like well here's how it works and I just laid it out for them and you know my son was like I don't know six what'd at you, the time or what'd something. you say I just said there's like a vagina there's yep. a penis and yep. the penis goes in the vagina right and then there's sperm and then you make the egg. I, I explained uh, the process incredibly and, clinical uh, yeah I did I did it was a terrible no, experience for there me. was no birds and bees involved <laughs> And my son, you know, he was like six or something. And he was like, you know, he thought it was amazing. He was fascinated. My daughters who were a little older were just like, oh, my gosh, that's so gross. But, you know, that you just that's just the way it is. Like, there's, that's how things work. Mm. Do you get into, like, romance with him? Not so much yet. They're just not interested in that yet. Like, mm. they will be. But, you know, we haven't we haven't really crossed that bridge yet. All right. Very interesting. I think that's like the two subjects that we have Again, me speaking for the all of the collective. <laughs> I've ordained we myself as a, to speak as a culture. for the collective. <laughs> is uh, the the two most important things in our human experience, which essentially is death and and sex, and both of them oh, are like wow. are like shelved. Those are two good ones. They're huge. They're huge. Yeah. If you have a healthy relationship with both of them, you're probably set up to have a pretty decent life. It's so funny because I've done I've done talks before about kind of the longevity benefits of se of sex. Like you know, there's some at least correlations between people who are more sexually active, who are having sex at least once a week with their you know partners and things that they have everything from lower blood pressure to less stress to less depression. You know, longer telomeres, even like a lower mortality rate in one study in men. And I always get these people commenting like, well, what about the monks? You know, what about these two hundred year old monks? And to me, it, I I always I'm thinking it are you like talking you about know, Dave Asprey. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they um but they're always like, you know, they don't have sex and they're they're living a long time. My answer is, well, yeah, it's not like the only thing that you can do that's healthy. Like there are many things you can do. Like you can exercise and meditate and, you know, eat well and like have good social relationships. Like there are many things you can do, but this is also something that is really good for you. What do you think about semen retention? I think that there's not really strong evidence 
to say that you should be retaining semen. You can, and people feel great. I have a lot of, you know, people, I, I did a post on this and everyone like was super hostile. And they're like, I loved it. I love retaining my semen. I feel so strong That's when I right. do. That's right. That was me. That was probably you. <laughs> All of the posts Semen retention is the only every, way to stay strong. Every comment was be quickly going to everybody else's cell phone. I don't want to lose I'm my energy in the world. You know, all the things. That's right, Kundalini. Um, it's fine. If you want to do it, I think it's totally fine. But I Thank don't think you. you need to. I don't think that you should be guilted into retaining your semen. Like women don't retain anything, and we're we're just as healthy. It's it just it's silly to me that you ha- that you feel like you have to do it. Women can squirt. Yeah. What do you think about that? <laughs> I think it's true. True statement. <laughs> do you know what the composition? <laughs> it's not urine. Yeah, I don't remember the, the exact. We got to look at it. We can put it, co- they, they, put it in the show notes. A lot of it comes from this, like from the skein's glands, oh. which are kind of in the kind of in the area where the G spot is. Although sometimes it is urine, and it is complicated. I think it's a, yeah, it's like a, it's a it's a milieu. Is that it's how you a, say that word? Milieu. 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 I think it's milieu. God dang it! <laughs> can you spell milieu? M I L E O U. Is that wrong? I don't think that's right. We're I don't look, know. We should look that, that up. Okay. Get fact checkers on that. That'll be good. All right. I can't wait to send this conversation. I'm going to put this into a time capsule and offer it to your children with age. Oh my god. Whatever it's appropriate. By, by so I, <laughs> I did this video on on YouTube that has me. I had this like large like artificial like prosthetic penis in the video, mm-hmm. and I'm talking about shockwave there. This is years ago. I had okay. like I had like I'm in my office. I'm holding this like flesh colored. <laughs> Like, you know, dildo looking like big right. penis. Right. And I'm I'm demonstrating kind of how shockwave therapy works. And I'm holding the thing for like, you know, the whole the whole time. This video kind of ended up kind of going viral. My kids recently texted me and they're like, Hey mom, we're watching your penis video. Nice. <laughs> and we're reading all the comments. Nice. Which was not which was not nice. No. Oh really? They didn't like that. There was like thousands of comments and wow. like you know, a good half of them are just inappropriate. Right. Like uh, you know what you'd expect the cool thing with so i think we can learn so much from if you learn about any one part of anything you can usually extrapolate that out and you know integrate that into the whole so like with the the jack wave jackhammer, jackhammer sound yeah. wave cock therapy thing that's stimulating angiogenesis because it's it's you know harm, harmonized to a specific frequency that yep. is able to i don't know if the right word is like perturbate those those blood vessels to cause them to, it's, to yeah, to grow it's back causing stronger. them to increase VEGF, which is a growth factor that's going to get to increase blood flow and blood vessel formation. And you can utilize those those same principles in other parts of the body as well, which is yeah. pretty interesting. So the same system that you're doing that with you know those those frequencies, you can put that into your knee or into your Achilles or you know where, wherever the heck. Well, not the Achilles. Sorry, it's not a tendon, but any any yeah, place you, where there's blood, you could do the Achilles. Yeah, you could. And and the, that those machines initially were actually that's how the F, FDA approved to treat like musculoskeletal pain pain just by increasing blood flow and essentially healing and so you can apply that technology in fact it was when it was first discovered they were using it to treat post heart attack hearts Mm. to increase blood flow and healing it was really effective just going through the skin um you know through the chest to like essentially do the little shockwave therapy to the heart um, actually works and it's effective Um, i don't know why we don't do it can we do that with other sounds or we got to specifically get the, the jackhammer there are devices that don't make the jackhammer sound, mm. but there's like a little bullet in there that's going up and down really quickly, and that's why it makes that sound. But there are other shockwave devices that are not as loud. Is there other ways, like like natural in quotation ways, to integrate specific sounds and frequencies? Like, could you get lucky and just go to like a you know some kind of trap music 
you festival could, thing. You, you could get, definitely like, try. Put some, put some like speakers on your penis and just try some different, like some EDM music one day. It's a rap music. No, but really, like, <laughs> like, 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 like sound healing and tuning forks and things yeah. of that sort. I, I feel like that's again it, that starts to step into no, the, the I think, woo. I think that's t- totally possible. But There's, then we have this this scientifically validated. It's yeah. like, well, now we have the machine and the device and all right. the research. It's like that's what they've been saying. Yeah. Well, the same is true for like electricity, for instance. You know, it's been used for a long time. Like you, you know, different devices that kind of charge your cells. You know, and this like kind of vaguely do this. But I'm working with a company right now, actually, that's de- it's de- figured out these these sort of precise electrical signals that you apply to the skin that then increases specific protein production. Mm. And so all of a sudden, you know, this use of electricity, which, again, has been around for a long time, but it's been a little bit like in that sort of energy realm, weird yep. stuff. We now have a mechanism for how that might work. And so you can essentially, you know, you can increase specific protein production and then you can kind of do you know, different ones almost create like recipes mm. using electrical signals that are not painful that just go through the skin. So that's actually one technology that I'm doing a study on right now for erectile dysfunction mm. because it, it's a whole bunch of signals that are going to increase everything from muscle regeneration to nerve regeneration to arteriogenesis, making artery, you know, making blood flow uh, happen. And so, so there, are, I think there are there are some cool things like that coming. What about prostate massage? Yeah. <laughs> Go. <laughs> Go. Um, Does I, a man need a prostate massage? I don't think you need it, but okay. there is uh, there Thank are you. studies that um, you know that's one of the arguments against semen retention is that if when you're having you know, you're ejaculating, then you're actually getting rid of some of this the semen, and that it, there's there's lower risk potentially in um, prostate cancer in people who are having more frequent ejaculations. There was a study with used tapeworms, I believe, and they did, it was about semen retention, and they had one group of tapeworms, which tapeworms have like similar genetics to, I have to not human heard beings, of this, and I'm so interested in what you're going to say. We'll have to look it up. It's a while since I've seen it, so we'll have to, might have to fact check this one too. But one group, they essentially like like neutered the tapeworms, but allowed them to have all the sex they would want. So they weren't ejaculating, okay. but they, were, they could have all the sex. And then there was another group that could have all the sex they want and they could ejaculate all the time. And then there was another group that was completely abstinent. So tapeworms can ejaculate? I'm so, so interested in that. We might, need, we might need to fact check this, this one. This, it might not this, have been tapeworms. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe they can. I think it was tapeworms. Okay. We're definitely going to look Some it up. Some particular one. Okay, we'll please look continue because I want to know what's happening after. with the ejaculating tapeworms. Yes. But what they found, essentially, was almost, I don't remember the specific numbers, it was almost like like they would live like a third longer with which one. So the one that was completely abstinent, I believe, was the sec- lived the second longest, the one that was ejaculating all the time, that was the, the shortest lifespan, and the one that was having sex, but not having these regular ejaculations, ended up living quite a bit longer. And I feel like there's probably like a balance there in the conversation. There's probably like a like a, a sweet spot of ejaculation. I think that that is true. I think that uh, and, and that you know we know that like as far as increasing testosterone levels, if you wait at least three days or seven days, depending on the study, that you can increase testosterone a, a little bit by not ejaculating if you want to wait some time. I just don't think you need to wait. Like I don't necessarily think you need to go months without it if you don't want to. If it makes you feel good, fantastic. Yep. But it's there's there's not necessarily a great reason. At least if you look at the current studies that are published, I know that there are some more sort of Eastern ideas about it and and Taoist ideas and things like that. And and if you subscribe to those, that's great. But there's just not a ton of evidence here for it. The clitoral injections they increase sensitivity. Yes. 
Is that the is that the only thing? Sensitivity, yeah, pleasure. Like um, both PRP and stem cells, or stem cells is kind of a different category. Either one, both, both can do it. We inject the clitoris, and then we inject like the kind of like the G spot area, the anterior vaginal wall, mm. which is which is where the G spot, the, the the sponge, the sponge that is still debated in the medical literature whether it's about whether what like what it is and whether it's like re- a real thing or not. Freaking Doctor G, it's so a man. How yeah. dare he name a female part? Exactly. Well, well, we just don't know what it is. It's like there's there's like three different ideas on like what is actually the G spot. It's actually quite fascinating. Can you educate me on the G spot? I I can try to remember now what all the ideas are. So one of the ideas is is kind of these it's these Skeen's glands, which are these glands that live kind of in that same area, spongy kind of tissue. So that's one idea. Mm. One idea spongy is spongy on the roof. Spongy on the roof. Yeah. Yeah. One idea. Roof at, being the. The top versus obviously. the bottom roof. I don't know. Roof is a term. We call it the it's bottom, a term. They call, call it the term. We call it the floor if it's the bottom. Floor, roof, <laughs> sides, whatever. So, so that's one idea is that it's this, these Skeen's glands that are causing that that's, that are super sensitive potentially, and that's the G spot. Mm. Another one is that it's basically the back of the clitoris because the clitoris is like kind of like a wishbone shape, right? Like yeah. it's, you, it's like a sea monster. It has this large <laughs> that it comes out. <laughs> That's how it looks. I hope that you're. I hope that you're on video with that because that's. Yeah, we got video. That's good. That's, go to that's, the video. You just good. saw me impersonate a. a it's uh, kind of like this. Yeah, that's right. With the little with the little glands that's, right here. That's what I did. So the part the that's part right. that we can and see. And it goes. It goes. It, and then it, it kind of goes back goes, as well. Kind of goes backwards. Yeah. 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 So the back of that, kind of at the top and the back, mm-hmm. in some people lines up with where that where the G spot is. So that another idea is at the back of that area mm. and then the another idea the other one is that it's kind of the confluence of the back of that and the urethra which is you know where your pee comes out mm. that's also back thank there. you you're welcome <laughs> but what's interesting about the g-spot is that it's obviously it's a lot of people don't even know if they, if they have it like they're like this isn't really there's not an area that's super sensitive to me i'm not sure i have it and then even people who say that yes i do have it it's in all different locations it could be like you know three centimeters in from the outside or it could be eight mm. which is a pretty big difference that's like a you know like a that's like this far it's a lot, it's a lot. so it's just fascinating like what is this mythical spot definitely mythical <laughs> Do you know what about what about clitoral mapping? Is this anything you're familiar with? I don't know. What is it? Well, I believe it's the top left quadrant of the of the of the clit. Uh-huh. Can I say clit? The stro- that, were you like the, the stroking thing? The stroking. The stroking. Yeah, thing, yeah. The top left. Yeah. And there's uh, like OM orgasmic meditation. Yes, where it's like I am a, familiar with that. I think it's like 20 minutes. I've never done it. It's a lot. It is like I think I it's 20 minutes. I actually had a man set me up. In an orgasmic, I had a medita- man. <laughs> orgasmic meditation position, set my legs up, did the whole thing. Didn't actually touch my, my, my parts, but broke down. Like, Wait. this is how you do it. Oh, he was breaking down. He was showing you on you? Getting like the position. You got to be comfortable. Okay. It's yes. Tw- 20, um, and there's, it's 20 I've read the book about that, which is, I can't remember what it was. I don't know. But I have, I, I am familiar with that. And I think it is the left, like upper, like a left kind of upper side. How does a woman get to get to know her vagina and get to educate her partner? about how to the, the inner workings of, of said vagina. I think she plays with it. Vagina is a misnomer too, right? Vagina is a very specific Well, vagina is the, the, inside, part. the inside part. Vulva is the outside part. That's why, you know, I think we need better language. You want one thing for the whole con- thing? It's very confusing. Like one term for the yeah. like the whole shebang? Yeah, yeah. It's very, uh-huh. it's very confusing. Yeah. Yeah, so how, how do we educate that? How does one start to gain a better relationship with said vulva vagina complex? <laughs> <laughs> that, I'm trying so hard not to say pussy. That is a yeah. Try to yeah. keep it clinical. 
You do great. You're doing. <laughs> yeah, you. you're doing really good. <laughs> um, I think you know you just like look at it. Like get your mirrors out, get your hands out, oh, wow, get your mirror. fingers out, like Jeez. get the toys out, like whatever. Like you just have to. You have to just get familiar with it. Like you, like it's a part of your body because it actually is. You gotta get it turns it. out. All right. How about perineum <laughs> slash anus? Uh huh. <laughs> Lots of sensory receptors back there. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying what that was. You're welcome. That's really good. That's yep. how, like that's like the urethra. Like I helped you, you helped me. Yep. That was really good. We're here. We're here for each other. <laughs> yeah. Lots of receptors. Mm-hmm. Lots of second only to the clit. It's a yeah. It's a sensitive spot. Why did God do that? I <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> why are you Why are you questioning God? Like, what are you worried oh, about? That's a, good, that's a good point. I'm not worried. I'm just curious. What an interesting thing. You can have <laughs> orgasms from having a poop. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the anus is a, uh, it's a, yep. it's a known yep. area of, uh, you know, sexual play. Yeah. So that makes sense. Think people need to know about it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we should do. We should. We should spill the secret. We should tell people about right this. right here. A live podcast. The secrets of the, the pleasure anus. anus. The pleasure anus. That's absolutely what this episode is called. You're, I feel like I'm getting really red. Like right. I'm getting. Yeah, I'm, I'm uncomfortable as well. I'm <laughs> glad <laughs> we can mutually share that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's, a th- it's a thing for sure this is what sex ed's supposed to be like <laughs> they should hire us totally hire i'll ask us. you incredibly uncomfortable questions we'll just go back and forth and have banter and put a bunch of kids in the room sorry kids <laughs> i'm so sorry hopefully my kids will never listen to this well, one great. no this is a good one this actually is, this my is kids one. my kids i'd be okay with yep. i mean eventually yep but my parents, uh, I would not be. Ha- I would not want. See? Like I just told my parents no like here. two years ago, you know what it is I do. Like mm. they still thought I was in the ER. Really? Not not two years ago, but like I I had a I had a video came out and I was like I sh- I shared it with them on a talk I did and I was like FYI this is what I'm talking about now. You think men should have an anal tool? <laughs> we're going back to the anus again. I'm not done. Okay, yeah we we're talking more about it. Um, yeah. I think <laughs> seriously. Uh, an anal tool? That's right. Like a tool to access their anus? Like a vibrator for the prostate? If Oh, uh, I think if they want to, they should. Do you think it's healthy for their biology? Uh, prostate cancer is like seems like it's just, again, me speaking collectively for Western culture, I think it's just like this accepted, like, oh, yeah, eventually you get a little cancer in there. Yeah. It's like, come on. But there's actually a lot of other lifestyle things, just like every cancer that contributes to prostate cancer. Mm. I mean, every, like all cancers, almost all cancers, there's some over you know over many years lifestyle piece to it not all of them but most of them and prostate cancer is the same way which lifestyle pieces again diet and exercise and stress and sleep and like all the things that we know are important those are all important for most of the cancers and prevention including prostate cancer so whether you need to get an anal tool as you say yeah powerful device (laughs) I think you can if you if you enjoy it, you should do it. Mm. But also, you know, eat healthy, move, sleep, don't get stressed out, all of that. Right. Have sex, maybe don't retain all of your semen. Right. Let it out sometimes. I feel like this is a learned conversation. <laughs> yeah, we, you and I both learned. I feel some like we both evolved significantly. Our, our, the audience may have tuned out a long Probably time ago. Probably stopped listening. A while yeah, ago. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have to go to dinner. Mm. It's getting late. Yeah. And uh, we've been going for an hour. 
This is the perfect pre-dinner conversation. Actually, this is the perfect <laughs> mid-dinner conversation. Yep. I hope that you'll bring out some of these questions to your dinner guests tonight. Yeah, these are pretty much all the questions that I have. This is just like, this is like <laughs> on repeat. Anytime I meet a new person, like this is the com- the shape of the conversation. So I love it. I'm glad that we could. Share yeah, that. me too. But I love it. Yeah, yeah. It felt good. Where should people go from here? Where's a, a good direction to learn more about your work? If they'd like to inject various different fluids in, in and around their genitals, <laughs> like to learn more about the perineum. I feel like you're selling tapeworms. it. You're totally selling what I do, yeah. and yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Okay. So I'm really active on Instagram, mm-hmm. Dr. Amy B. Killen. Mm-hmm. I've got many web different websites, but Dr. Amy Killen is like, I can direct you from there. I have multiple cool. clinics and other things, but that's pretty much the easiest way. Great. I love that. Thank you so much for this. <laughs> This is fun. This is a great time. (laughs) We'll have to do this again. All right. Thank you for tuning in. Remember to massage your prostate with great regularity. And uh, that's it. Over now. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Dr. Amy is a fabulous human being. And I have such a good time getting to make her blush in conversations such as this one. If you want to share parts of this episode, por favor, you can share on the Instagram's likely place. You can tag me at a light podcast. You can tag Dr. Amy B. Killen at Dr. Period Amy B. Killen. And yeah, thank you guys so much for implementing the conversations and the, the tidbits and the wisdom that we get from it. I've had such an amazing time getting to implement what I've gathered in this podcast in my own life. And um, I hope that the same thing is happening for you guys. If you've grabbed the Align Method book, I appreciate that. It's fantastic of you. Many online programs. Um, just so greatly appreciate you telling your friends and supporting this platform. It is because of you that we keep going and uh, it's meaningful. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Over and out. Enjoy your week. Talk soon. Big kisses. Bye.